Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Ranke. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to go deep on this one today. Um... And it really has to do with, you know, two different people that will really get a lot out of this. Um, those of you that really want to say, hey, I want to get into investing. Um, and the other side is, well, what is money management? How do I invest correctly? This podcast is for both of you. And I'm going to be talking about how, like a lot of these people on the internet, you can't listen to. I'm going to give examples why um, and how a lot of what they say is garbage. <laughs> but they, they portray themselves like investors, but they're actually not. And a lot of this stemmed from a couple sayings that I oftentimes say. Uh, one of them is like, there's a difference between investing versus money management. Um, I say that, you know, back when I was younger, you know, I was told really look into politics to make a, an opinion about what your investment theory should be. Um, I've said things like investing is a full-time job, <clears throat> Okay. Um, when I say this, some of those comments I've, I've gotten in the past at workshops and webinars and emails back to me, DMs on Facebook or Instagram, like, would I go deeper into that? And that's exactly what I'm going to do today. Like I said, we're going to talk about investing. That's what the bulk of this is, is explain to you what I mean by this is what is investing. And we'll be giving you some examples versus money management and why is money management so actually so important for most of you to do. Okay. And I'm going to break this up into different parts. Um, it's going to be four or five different parts. So that way you can kind of understand like, Hey, this part leads into the next part, which leads into the next part, so on and so forth. Okay. So let's jump into it before I get there. As always, if you guys need help with your financial plan, you know, build your profile fit bucks. We have our new technology out, go out and build it. <clears throat> if you guys need help with money management, let us know because we got that available too, uh, with our new technology. So let us know. Let's jump into the podcast. Cause like I said, we're going to be Diving deep in this one. Okay, so investing is a full-time job. I say that all the time. I say, like, you got to dig into, into politics because they influence. Now, wh where does that come from? There's a few other popular sayings. Um, you might have heard, like, don't fight the Fed. For those of you that don't know what the Fed is, the Federal Reserve is basically controls monetary policy here in the United States, which is, like, interest rates and all that fun stuff, just to sum it up. Basically, there's an old saying, like, don't fight with them. Like, a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, the Fed's doing this, and that's wrong. Someone invest in here, and then they lose a bunch of money. Uh, the other saying is, like, follow the follow the money. So invest, you know, where wealthy people invest. Um, you know, because if they're investing in it, then it's going to grow. You know, I look at those sayings, and I've thought about those a lot as an investor. And I've basically said, what do those actually mean? And I also tie this into like the, some of the political studies that I've done. Basically, what all those sayings mean 
is don't fight the status quo on your own, basically what that means, okay? What the status quo means is basically those that are in power and those that have wealth, they don't want the status quo to change because that means that they're not going to be on top anymore, okay? Um, and if it does change, they don't care as long as they're the ones financing that change or they're the ones behind the power of that change so they can get credit for it. They don't want new technologies coming up that disrupt their nest egg. They don't want, you know, anything like that coming to place, okay? So I'm going to give you some examples of how I've used that theory of, you know, the status quo wants to do X, Y, Z and keep their power and keep their money. And in this first part, I'm going to relate this to COVID. And then the second part, I'm going to go through with you deeper into where I came up with that that theory so that way you guys can see what it takes to be an investor okay i'm gonna go back to january of 2020 and yes i'm gonna be start talking about covid now i want you guys to keep in mind i'm talking about as covid as not about the virus itself i'm talking about you know how do you look at this as an investor and i was taught both good situations both bad situations as an investor you got to be saying, where do I need to position my money? Okay, what what investment theory can I come up with and how do I take advantage of that investment theory? So this is what I did. And it's like, so I started looking into it in 2020, back in January of that year. So a lot before people even knew what it was. And I, I was trying to find as much data as I could. Um, and at the same time, I started looking at who was on TV, who, what players were involved and what were they saying? Okay, because a lot of the players without naming any names, I had already recognized from years ago uh, from some of the other investment research that I had done in the past. And I knew that they were the, quote, power players in the industry. Okay, so I started looking into it, and and not too much, but just, I was actually not even looking into it as an investment thing. I was looking at it into, like, how is this going to affect Fitbox? And so March hit, and that's when the lockdowns hit. Okay, and... The stock market actually crashed like 30%, and around the end of the month, it was down like 24%, but it had bottomed right around 30%, and as an investor, when things crash like that, your eyes kind of just light up because there's value to be taken into account. Now, at that time, two things were happening in my personal life. First of all, I was back visiting my parents in San Jose, California, because actually I was meeting with our lawyer from Fitbox to go through a few different products that we wanted to roll out. And that's when the shutdown happened. So I was actually traveling when the shutdown happened and I just happened to be at my parents' house. The second thing is I signed an agreement with our board of directors saying that I would not invest into like individual stocks and whatnot because they know my background and they know how much time I would spend looking into it. And the only stock that I need to be worried about right now is Fitbox. Okay, so that's basically their point of view. Now that doesn't mean I can't, invest in like broad market indexes and all that type of stuff i still do all that and actually what i did when the stock market crashed uh back in in march 2020 is i took about three hundred fifty thousand dollars and turned around and changed it all pretty risky into some different indexes so that's what i actually did now in the meantime okay i was sitting there with my dad the day they announced the lockdowns and I said to him, there's going to be a massive opportunity to make money here. And he's like, what do you mean? And I, I literally did this 
in an hour. I said, let me come up with a thesis and, you know, come back with you. And in this part one, I'll, I'll come up with my thesis. I'll tell you what my thesis was. Because I came up with that in about five or ten minutes while I was talking to my dad that night. I said, here's my thesis. We're in an election year. Anytime there's an election, somehow everything becomes political. Okay? So I knew somehow, some way, that COVID was going to be used as a political weapon. Now, again, that's not to downplay, downplay the severity of COVID, but I knew politicians would use it to their advantage. Okay? Now, going back to saying, well, you got to follow the money. Where is the money going? I said, well, this is obviously a virus. So who's going to get rid of this thing? How's it going to happen? So my immediate thought was, okay, well, we're going to do uh, pharma. I don't know what's going to come out. At that time, I didn't even think about a vaccine. I was thinking like pills or something. Pharma's going to be making money in this. So I always try to drill it down into two or three players. Who's the players in this? And to me, it was government and politics. And the other side of it was pharma. Okay, so that was my thesis. I got to look more into that. So I literally spent like a half hour to an hour just looking in, into what I could find on that. And that leads into part two. Okay, what did I actually do? And keep in mind, this is different parts because part three, I'm going to dive into really deep. Why did I look at government and pharma and how did I relate it to history on, on stuff that I've read about past political situations? Okay. So part two, just with the actions that I did to show you guys, like once you guys do this research and you're an actual investor, how quickly you can see things, okay? Now, I had done some screens. And what a screen is, you basically just go onto some of these websites and you do some quick, simple screens. And I had narrowed it down to 10 pharmaceutical companies that I wanted to look at, Okay. And then from there, I narrowed it down to four. How did I narrow it down to four? And how did, I, how did I do that so quickly? Very easy. I looked at the stock market. And like I told you guys before, the market was down at its low about 30%. By the end of March, it was right around 24%. And I said, which companies did not go down 24%? <clears throat> because to me, when, when you have really smart people on Wall Street, a.k.a. Don't fight the status quo. Don't fight against the money. And you also have very wealthy people that are putting their money into companies. They know a lot that I don't know. And if a company, like the stock market tanks like 24%, and a company doesn't do like drop the same or more, like it drops less than the market, that's a pretty good indicator that very smart, very powerful, very wealthy people know something that I don't know. And so those were the companies that I looked at with those four. Now, because of, of different reasons, I can't say which companies they are because of our, our new investment stuff that we do with investment advising. So I'm just going to say company A through D, okay, is how I'm going to describe them. Company A had dropped around 20%. And to me, I wasn't going to put any money in that because that's right around 20, 24%. So it wasn't 
too drastic different from what the market did. Okay. But company B was only down 11%. And that excites me. Not only that, because company B I had invested into before. So I knew some background on them. And they're only down 11%. Now, that's if I was doing the individual investments, that's where I would have put some money. Now, fast forward to today, that company is only up about 28%. So had I put in $350,000, I would have had about $448,000 as of now, which is pretty decent. Okay, But let's keep con continuing. Company C was down 15%. So I would have put some money in that as well, but probably not as much as company B. Now, hindsight's 2020, right? That company C ended up doing a lot better than company B. In fact, they had rose to the very peak, like the highest they've got was a hundred percent return since March of 2020. So if I had invested that 350 into that company, it would be worth about 700 grand. And even if I, I didn't sell right at the peak and I just continued holding it, to like to today, that stock would still be up about 66%. So my money would have gone from like 350 to 581,000. Okay. So company D. Now this is the one, like I said, I would have put more money in company B than company C just because I was familiar with company B. But company D was where I would have put almost all my money. Now why is that? Keep in mind, the stock market was down 24% percent at the low it was down 30 percent at that time company d was up 50 percent now think about that something happens in the stock market stocks are down 24 to 30 percent and this stock went up 50 percent and it's in pharmaceuticals I, I, I was like, oh my God, should I just do this? And even though I, I'm not supposed to invest in individual stocks. And again, I, I was like, look, my number one stock, and I don't have time to look into this more. So I'm focusing on Fitbucks and I'm not going to do this. But that stock, Company D, at the high that it peaked at, was up 1,180%. Okay, that means if I invested that 350, I would have made, or I would have had $4.13 million if I had sold at the peak. And now it's dropped quite a bit since its peak, but it's still up 400% from that low. So I still would have had, even if I had held it and not sold it, that $350,000 would be worth $1.4 million. Okay. So actually, first lesson, this is a side nugget lesson on this one. A lot of people are like, oh, you probably are cringing that you didn't do that investment. It's like, no, I'm not. I, I, I don't make any knee-jerk reactions, and I didn't have time to look into it even more to actually make the proper investments and everything. So no, I'm not sorry that I didn't do it. Like opportunities are are everywhere. You just got to find them. Okay. So no, I'm not disappointed. And don't ever look back and say, "Wow, I was disappointed." There's always a reason why you didn't do anything. You got to learn from that. Okay. So that's a side nugget. But to summarize part two and part one, I had come up with a thesis that that politicians were going to come into play. And that pharma was going to make, make, you know, basically be the part where I wanted to go look at and invest in. And I had narrowed it down to those four companies. And company AA, I wouldn't have invested in. Company B, I would have done like a, a decent amount of money in. Company C, I put a, would have put a little bit in. 
And company D was where I would have put most of the money at had I made the investment at that point in time. Okay, now, this is where we really get into investing. And this is why I say investing is a full-time job and most of you don't have enough time to do it. Okay, I didn't just randomly come up with those theories. I didn't randomly read somebody else's stuff and come up with that theory and take their theory essentially which i told you i'm going to talk about some of these guys on the internet that are posting stuff basically and i know this for a fact they are taking other people's stuff and then regurgitating it that is theirs and that's what they're saying is their opinion okay that's not what i did i've looked at research and read and all that type of stuff and i'm not just talking about learning how to read 10Ks and 10Qs and doing projections and valuation work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about since my teacher had talked to me about political stuff, learn politics. I mean, I've gone back hundreds and thousands of years and read and researched some of this stuff. And that's exactly how I came up with my own theory on this. Okay, going into March 2020. To give you an example, I'm actually going to give you an example of one of these things. And actually, I'm going to give you a second one, too, of crypto. But this one's not with crypto. This one has to do with that COVID thesis I told you about. My very first thought when I saw this, and I said government and pharma, I related it to the Inquisition. Okay. Now, a warning on this. And and again, if you guys don't know what the Inquisition is, by the way, it's where the Catholic Church and kings all across Europe basically killed scientists and killed any dissenters against the Catholic Church. against the catholic religion okay and i will also preface this with i come from an extremely religious family and so like this has nothing to do with religion this has to do just with me saying what has happened in history what is my opinion of history and how can i use that for an investment okay again it's simple investment mindset i looked at it and what i had known from that that point in time and this is what i boil it down to when it comes to an investment thesis okay that the the Inquisition, basically the Catholic Church and religion and Christianity get a bad name because of that, okay? Because of who they killed and how they killed them and all that type of stuff. And to me, I'm like, look, you got to understand, in my opinion, the Inquisition wasn't about religion. It was about those that were in power trying to keep the status quo. So you see where I'm going with that? Like, the status quo, trying to keep the status quo. Where did I come up with that theory? Like, You know, like I told you guys earlier, don't fight the Fed. Don't do all that. What did I boil that down to? Don't fight the status quo. Don't fight those that are in power and wealth. And I got that from studying the Inquisition. And I came up with that theory because I started looking at it and I'm like, wait a second. You know, who who was the the closest person to God in the history of, of Christianity? It's Jesus Christ. He never went out and killed anybody. In fact, he never laid a hand on anybody even if they didn't believe in him, no matter what they were saying about him, whatever it was, he didn't talk bad about anybody. He didn't kill anybody. So to me, when I look at the Inquisition, it doesn't have anything to do with money or with religion. It has to do with power and wealth and keeping the status quo. And that man used religion to further their power and keep the status quo and enhance their wealth. Okay, that's the way... I look at that, okay, because at that time, science and technology is always the risk 
to the status quo then and it is now. Okay? So what did they do? They said, well, God said science, like, they needed to be, like, it was, it was against God and all this type of stuff. So they killed the scientists. And who else did they kill? They killed these centers within the church. So with anybody within the church said, hey, wait a second, why are we killing people? They would consider be considered heretics, and then they would kill them. Okay? Now, the reason why my alarms went off when I heard COVID about this, like COVID, 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 and I told you March, is I started looking at the status quo like I told you, and those that were in power, and people that were in the, in the position of trust, okay, that's the key. They were in a position of trust, and I started listening to what they were saying. And any dissenters, and I'm not talking about, you know, just some random person that has a podcast talking about, well, this doesn't make any sense and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about people that are medical professionals that have been looked at positively by their peers for years, sometimes decades, were all of a sudden getting ostracized and canceled if they said anything that went against the status quo. And I said, holy shit, like, this is it. Politics. This is going to be political. And then pharma and the powers that be are going to make a lot of money. And that's where I came up with that thesis. And what have we seen? Fast forward to today. Regardless if you agree with people or not, anybody that comes outside of the status quo, they're not put to death, but they're canceled. Right? So it's basically the way I look at it. Again, this is from an investment standpoint. Not even looking at the virus. Not looking at saying who's right, who's wrong, any of that stuff. I look at the trends and what politicians have done in the past, and I use that theory of the status quo is going to want to keep the status quo unless they're involved in it. And that's why I decided to go look at pharma and big tech because I had seen the names that were involved, and I said, this is where you can make money as an investor. Okay, So that's what it takes to be an investor. It's a full-time job where you're literally looking at all that stuff okay and that's part four you are diving deep into all that you know and the tough part like if you ever do decide yes i'm going to be an investor okay i'm going to be an investor a lot of the times once you get done doing this stuff you got to then face morals and say look i see what's going on here is this really something that i want to make money off of okay like you know i know a lot of people that reached out to me back around that same time period in March of 2020. And oil was at like $10 a barrel, which is ridiculous. Today, it's up at $95 a barrel. Okay. And they're like, should I, do you think I should invest in it? It's like, yeah, from a pure investment standpoint, absolutely. Like, this is so easy. Yes, invest. But then from a moral standpoint, it's like, well, you know, if, if those go against your morals of investing in, a, in an oil company, sometimes you got to pass. Okay, so that's the beginning of part four of this. But the rest of part four, I gave you that example of COVID. I'll also give you an example of crypto and also start going into why you, sh you can't listen to some of these people on the Internet. Okay, especially if you want to be an investor. Um, when crypto first came out, um, the whole thesis around it, what was being sent to the market, was um, this is going to be decentralized monetary policy. This is going to replace like the current monetary system. 
And every single person that told me that, I said, if that's your thesis, I don't want to invest and you shouldn't be investing either because the status quo and the powers that be are not going to just be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's like a neat little little new gimmick. We're going to give up our power and our control over the, our monetary policy and our wealth for you. That's not going to happen. And what happened, you know, obviously, I'll use Bitcoin. Bitcoin popped up and then dropped, okay? Now, the reason why I want to bring up this story is because a good friend of mine at that time, right before kind of like that first run-up in Bitcoin, came to me and was like, I want to learn day trading. And I was like, look, I've spent months um, teaching myself how to day trade because I use a combination of, of value analytics and technical analytics. And I've taught myself you know, what I need to know for what I, for my purposes. But if you're going to be a, a full-time day trader, you're going to want to learn a little bit more, but here's a good book to start and start diving deeper into it. And here's some, some lessons that I've learned. And I gave him a handful of lessons. He read the book and I mean, he deep dived into everything. I mean, it, it, he started learning and learning and learning and learning. And he made one mistake. I gave him one piece of advice and at that time, he ignored it because he started investing in, in Bitcoin. Now, keep in mind, he wasn't doing this as an investment thesis, meaning he thought that everything was going to be decentralized. He was doing it from a pure day trading technical analysis type of view of saying, hey, I can read what the markets are going to do, and I'm going to start trading against that. And he made a lot of money when it first went up, but he didn't sell anything. So when Bitcoin crashed, again, he didn't take my, my pieces of advice, one of the pieces of advice I gave him, he ended up losing it all. So he never, he didn't make money that first time on that run-up, but he kept learning. I mean, he's been learning now for five, six, seven years and deep diving into all of it. And now he realizes that one piece of advice I gave him about focusing, which was, I'm not going to even deep dive into that in, the, in this podcast. And he was like, holy cow, like this stuff works. And now all these different coins he day trades them on technical analysis, and now he's making over seven figures a year and with almost no risk. That's the key piece is he's been able to learn it so well that his wins far outweigh his losses because of how he's limiting risk. Okay. Now, with that being said, he has also started doing other investments in crypto where he's like, I know this stuff inside and out because I've researched it so much that I actually have a thesis, an investment thesis on some of these companies and it's not, or on some of these coins, I should say, and it's not because they're going to decentralize and replace the current monetary policy. It's because I really think that they are a good investment because of what their purpose is. And I also told them one other thing. I said, now, yes, there is a good time to invest in crypto. And he had asked me the other day, like, why did you say that like a year or two ago? And I said, because the first time the big power players and the big investors and the big guys on Wall Street, none of them were involved in it yet. Now they are. Even to the point where you have governments talking about creating their own cryptocurrencies. So the powers, the status quo I mentioned earlier, they don't like change. Because it threatens them. It threatens their power and it threatens their wealth. They only like change once they are able to invest or they are able to manipulate and be part of this next new thing that's going to cause the change. 
So they want to have their money tied up in it. And now that they have money in the in crypto, that's why you've seen it starting to pop off because the big money is there and it's now backing it. Okay. And so again, it goes back to that whole power and wealth status quo type of thing. Like I would have never invested in, in any type of coin five, six, seven years ago based on the, the news and the thesis and who was involved in it back then. Now that's a different story. But that leads into, you know, the things that I see all the time. I mean, I see healthcare people that, you know, that I know that graduated like a year or two ago from, you know, a healthcare graduate program. Also, I'm giving financial advice and investment advice in crypto. And I literally see what they post. And then I turn around and I'm like, well, holy shit. Like, I literally know where that came from, like almost verbatim. They're literally copying and pasting most of what they have from somebody else. And who knows where they got it from. And then they're selling it as though it's their information. Okay. But here's the big kicker. Okay. Most of those guys that you see on the internet, and I know this for a fact, that they are doing that and posting that information because they are selling courses. Okay. That's their main thing is to drive traffic, to drive trust, to make people make it look like they're the experts. So that way people buy their courses. And I know for a fact, for example, for one of them specifically, that they made more money last year off of selling courses than they do investing. That should be a red flag to you. Because investors, like, if you're selling a course on how to invest, you should be making more money investing than you are on the course. And in reality... If somebody is spending their time investing, they're not going to have any time to do a course. Okay. Now, what's the difference between like an investment course versus like, for example, when you sign up for Fitbucks, we have a course on there. That's just part of your membership. Like that course is more geared towards high level money management, which I'm going to talk about next. Not going into doing saying, hey, take this course and you're going to be an investor just like me. Like, no, it's those things are all crap. And sorry, I get pissed off and I start seeing that stuff. But I'm going to go into part five of this money management. Okay. And why it's so important. <clears throat> but I just want to summarize parts one through four and in investing. Okay. Parts one and two, I basically said, hey, here, here was a thesis that I came up with. Because of my background in studying this stuff and being an investor, I was able to come up with that thesis and test and come up with four pretty decent investments within about 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. And I went through how much they had gone up and all that type of stuff during the last two years since COVID hit. Okay. And part three was really about where, like an example of how I dug into politics, where I came up with this whole status quo, the power, I want to keep their wealth, all that type of stuff to come up and develop investment thesis is based on what I've seen in the past. And part four was saying, hey, same type of thing. What did I see in crypto, right? And using crypto as an example, okay? And like I said in the very beginning, when you have this investor mindset, you're not sitting there saying, you know, well, you're not coming up with the thesis of COVID's going to be deadly or not deadly. You're not saying, oh, well, politicians got it wrong. You're not saying this doctor has misinformation versus that one. You're simply observing and saying, how has this fit in from what I've seen in the past? Because history rhymes, right? What have I done in my studies to see? And then who do I think the players are going to be? And how can I position my assets to take advantage of this? That's 
all that it is. Okay. So that was part one through four. Part five, <clears throat> money management. Why is it so important? What's the difference between investing and money management? And like I said, investing is a full-time job. I just gave you, you know, 25 minutes of <clears throat> what it actually takes to be an investor, how much research and how much stuff you have to put in effort you have to put into it. Most of us don't have that time. Most of us are not going to quit our job, become a day trader or become an investor. Okay. And by the way, just some words of advice for those of you that are thinking about doing it. It sucks. You have no life and you're really, even though you're making money, if you have any like sense of wanting to help people, you're not helping anybody. You're not building anything. You're not trading anybody. You're not building a technology. You're not doing anything. You're, you're literally just taking advantage of, of trends and taking advantage of, of the stock market. Okay. So like people ask me all the time, why don't I do it? It's like, well, first of all, I am an investor. I'm investing in my own company now, Fitbooks. But it, it's hard. I mean, that's why I get, you know, left that rural is because it was like, I want to go out and do something that actually helps people. Okay. Like in a real way, money management is simply saying something along the lines of, I want to try to get, you know, four to 8% returns on my money based on the risk that I have the ability and willingness to take. I'm going to repeat that money management. And I'm not actually, you know what? I'm not even going to put a return to it. I just said that like 4 to 8% returns. I'm not even going to bring that up. Okay. Money management is getting a return for the level of risk that I have the ability to take and that I'm willing to take. And so when it comes to money management, <clears throat> the most important piece is how is my money allocated? So that way I get a return that I'm happy with for the risk that I can and that I'm willing to take. That is pure money management. And for most of you, that's good enough because you're not going to have time to invest. And if you invest and if you do put away money in like retirement accounts and Roth IRAs and, and taxable investments and all that type of stuff, you will have enough for retire retirement and to live out the rest of your life. And again, that is what we're going for. Yes, it would be awesome if all of us could be you know, worth $50 million because we invested in the right stock and holy crap, it ballooned and everything is, is all happy and we're all giddy. To do that, I would never trust anybody. Never pay anybody to invest your money. If you're going to invest, you do it. You're the investor. Now, if you want to do money management, that's a different story. That's where you might pay someone to help you with the allocations. That way you're doing it right. But that's also where things like you know, the robo advice comes in and, and those of you that haven't heard, that is why, you know, I'm so excited. Cause like I, I've told you, my, my background is investing and we've been putting it off with here at Fitbooks, but we have an investment recommendation now for all of our premium members where it actually looks at your entire profile, where it's like your assets, your debt, your wage income, your behavior, your human capital, your income, your expenses, your children, all these different things. And we look at it and say, here's your ability to take risk. So that way you know, hey, here's my ability. Should it, Am I willing to take more or less than that? And so then that way you can see, okay, how should I exactly have my 401k allocated? How exactly should I have my Roth IRA allocated? Okay, so you, any premium member of Fitboss can use that technology now. And if you want us to do it automatically for you in like your Roth IRAs and your taxable accounts, then you can sign up for our asset management stuff. 
um, where we partner with Betterment to be able to do that for you and adjust your portfolios automatically based on your ability to take risk, okay? But that is the key about money management is you want to make sure the allocations are correct for the risk that you have the ability to take and the willingness of risk you're willing to take, okay? So again, I told you guys that that was going to be a much deeper podcast because I, I get this these questions from you all the time. Like, can you dive into like what do you mean by you know investing is a full time job? I, I'm not kidding you. And I would say that I would literally sit there for eight to twelve hours a day reading, reading everything from 10Ks all the way through to politics, political history, psychology, like all these different things. Because to me, it all plays a role into developing investment theses, and that's how I was trained with investments. That's what it takes to do. In fact, one time, uh, somebody, I, I was watching an interview and they were asked, why is Warren Buffett the most successful investor? What's the one thing that he does? And, and the person replied, he reads. And he doesn't care what it is, he reads. It just reads and reads. Why? Because my theory on Warren Buffett is the more that he reads, the more context he has of, of everything going on around him and he can relate it and come up with investment theses. That's why he's so successful. And that's all he does. It's a full time job all right so investment versus money management if you guys need help with your financial plan and you want help uh, with your investment allocations like i said sign up if you want the investment uh recommendations and the financial planning where you can track everything in your profile then download the mobile app and sign up for our premier membership if you guys have questions about that you know how to reach us it's fun as always see you on the next podcast